This is CNN Breaking News. Welcome to Lead, everyone. I'm Bianca Goldriga in for Jake Tapper. We start with the breaking news. At any moment, a deal could be reached to release some hostages taken from Israel by Hamas on October 7th. Now, right now, the full Israeli cabinet is meeting to give what is believed to be a final approval of the deal. Just moments ago, Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu asked the cabinet to support the deal, but reminded cabinet members and the world, quote, we are at war and we will continue the war. As of now, here is what we know about the deal framework. Out of roughly 240 people kidnapped by Hamas, 50 would be released. Hostages who remain in Gaza under negotiations will be visited by the Red Cross. Three Palestinian prisoners in Israel would be freed for every civilian hostage released. It also calls for a four to five day pause in fighting. CNN is learning the majority of hostages who would be released in this deal are children. One of the children is three-year-old Abigail Idan, the youngest American held hostage whose parents were killed by Hamas. Abigail's great-aunt spoke to CNN today and was understandably emotional at the prospect of seeing her niece come home. When I think about that on Friday is Abigail's fourth birthday and that she should be home with her family and with her sister and brother, and she isn't right now. It's just, it's like you get your emotions, you have to keep them in check. The lead has this covered across the globe. CNN's Alex Marquardt is in Washington. Becky Anderson is in Doha. But let's start with CNN's Oren Lieberman, who is in Tel Aviv. Uh, Oren, so a deal is said to be imminent. What more do we know about the potential framework? As you pointed out, Benny, Bianca, the main points here are the exchange of hostages for prisoners, 50 Israeli hostages, women and children, mostly children, in exchange at a three-to-one ratio for 150 Palestinian prisoners held in Israeli jails, once again women and children. Now, the release of hostages wouldn't be all at once. It would be about 10 a day playing out over the four- to five-day pause in the fighting. It's unclear if the Palestinian prisoners would also be released in tranches or if that would happen all at once. Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu is right now leading a cabinet meeting to try to get this over the line. There's a long legal and political process they have to go to. First, the the war cabinet, which is a very small group around Netanyahu, that's done already. Then the security cabinet, which is slightly larger, that too is done. But now it's the full cabinet where some of Netanyahu's far-right coalition partners have already come out and said they oppose this deal. Still, Netanyahu made the argument that even with a pause in the fighting, it is the right decision here to bring home that first group of hostages. He promises the fighting will continue. According to his office, which released a statement a short time ago, part of this agreement was that the Red Cross would be able to visit and provide medicine to the hostages who remain in Gaza. That was a big demand of the families of the hostages who have repeatedly said, Look, international law requires a Red Cross visit in any negotiation. Make sure this happens. So Netanyahu's office saying they have delivered on this. Uh, uh, Bianca, there's one other part here. There's a 24-hour window in which you can file appeals to the Supreme Court to try to stop uh, this deal. But right now, Netanyahu pushing this forward quickly. Orrin, can you tell us more about the temporary pause in fighting? Because as you know, there are legitimate concerns that Hamas might use this as an opportunity. Of course, this was a big issue. Israel promised to continue the war until it defeated Hamas, but Hamas made it clear there would be no release of hostages unless there was a pause in fighting. The key question here, what does each side get out of that? Netanyahu says Israel's security officials have 
supported the deal here and say they're okay with a pause in the fighting. Meanwhile, what Hamas got out of this is that for six hours a day, Israel won't fly its surveillance drones over Gaza. First, that allows it to move around the hostages and get them to the point where they can be brought out of Gaza. But also, it lets them relocate their forces and prepare for the day when the pause in fighting is over. Now, it is worth noting that they're if this, if this works out, if this goes well, it's potential for a longer pause in exchange for more hostages released. But at the moment, that's still quite far down the road. The, the ongoing debate in the, uh, in the full cabinet right now, uh, an Israeli official said that could go till 2 or 3 in the morning. So that's another mm. 3 to 4 hours from now till we have a final answer from there. You'll be following it all for us. Oren Lieberman, thank you. Let's go now to CNN's Becky Anderson, who's in Qatar. Uh, Becky, Qatar playing a large role in negotiations here. They have already approved this deal. So if Israel signs off on it, then is it complete? Well, that is our understanding. I got a statement um, from the mediation team just a little earlier today, just about an hour or so ago. And let me just read out what it said, because I think this will speak very much to the to your question, the proposal for a humanitarian pause and the release of hostages was delivered to the Israeli side in the early hours of this morning. It is now midnight. Uh, this came after weeks of continuous negotiations. The state of Qatar is awaiting the result of the Israeli government's vote on the proposal. I was told uh, by a diplomatic source very close to the talks that it is with the Israeli side, that Hamas has signed off on this and that once they get this green lit by the Israelis, they can announce this deal. So the understanding being at this point, they need the green light from the Israeli side. Hamas has signed off on this. And then they assume that there is no detail changed, one assumes. This is the, what the Israelis agree, uh, will be discussing at present. And, and, and the hope is that there'll be agreement on it is a proposal. If that is changed, of course, then all bets are off, I guess. And no deal is done until it's done. But this proposal now sits with the Israelis. Once that announcement comes, that will trigger the process, which, as Oren described it, is this period of pause, this four-day period of pause, during which um, 50 hostages, mostly children, we are told, and 40 it's, there are 40 children, um, according to the IDF, being held in Gaza by Hamas. Mostly children will be announced, uh, will be released. Uh, and and you know, as we've heard from the Prime Minister's office, the Red Cross will be able to get round to those hostages currently being held by Hamas. As we understand it, that's the 50 that we are talking about who will be released in, in batches, as it were. And then as Hamas gathers more so the Red Cross will be able to get to see those hostages as well. But, you know, at this point, it is only 50 to be released in this first four-day window. Those are the details as we understand them today. Yeah, Israel's been pushing for weeks to get uh, the Red Cross to go in and check on these hostages. Mm -hmm. uh, Becky Anderson, thank you. Well, let's go now to CNN Chief National Security Correspondent Alex Marquardt. So, Alex, part of the framework for a potential deal involves this. For every Hamas-held hostage that's released, three Palestinian prisoners will also be released. 
What specifics do we know about those Palestinian prisoners? Well, Bianca, that's absolutely right. This is not just a hostage release. This is a prisoner swap. This is one of uh, Hamas's major demands that if they're going to be releasing hostages, that they also need to get Palestinian prisoners uh, out of Israeli prisons. So if this uh, deal goes according to plan and there are some 50 hostages released over the coming days, we would expect 150 Palestinian prisoners, women and children, just like those hostages inside Gaza, to be released uh, from Israeli prisons. Now, if this deal were to continue to be extended and more hostages were able to be rounded up by the Red Cross, uh, by Hamas and released, then we can imagine uh, that we would also see more uh, of these uh, Palestinian uh, prisoners released from Israeli prisons. The ratio, again, uh, one for uh, three for every one Hamas hostage. So you're talking about at least 150 Palestinian prisoners uh, at the beginning. That could go up to as high as 300, say, if another 50 hostages were to be released. Now, overall, in Israeli prisons, there are 8,300 Palestinian prisoners. That's in the West Bank, in East Jerusalem, and in Israel proper. The vast majority of them are men. Again, we are only talking about the release of women and children, of which there are just over 460 that could be released by uh, Israel. That's 460 women and teens under the age of 18 years old. Biana, one of the major questions is also about the presence of Israeli soldiers among those hostages that Hamas is holding, to what extent down the line Hamas will try to trade them, and for how many Palestinian prisoners. No one can forget the 2011 uh, exchange of Gilad Shalit, the Israeli soldier, one Israeli soldier for more than a thousand Palestinian prisoners, including the head of Hamas in Gaza. Yana? Yeah, and that, that took years to get that deal done um, back then. Uh, meantime, Alex, today the White House outlined what will happen to the hostages once they are released. What more do we know? We have the broad strokes. Um, obviously, there is a lot to be filled in here. But according to the White House's John Kirby, uh, once uh, the agreement is in place and these hostages um, are on their way out of Gaza, uh, they will get safe passage into Israel. So they could cross uh, into Israel through Egypt, through that Rafah crossing, or uh, through one of those crossings that go directly into Israel. Now, we don't expect Hamas and Israel to come face to face to to do this exchange. There would probably be uh, at least one middleman. That could be the Red Cross, which we saw being used in previous uh, hostage releases. It could also be Egypt. So these prisoners could go uh, into Egypt before going uh, into Israel. Once they are in Israel, we understand that they would immediately get medical attention. And remember, these hostages have been uh, in have been held for uh, six and a half weeks in what the White House called abhorrent conditions. So they will get immediate medical conditions. Some could uh, have long-term medical needs. And then because many of them, we understand, are dual nationals, the question then becomes how to get them home if they want to go to other countries. And, and the White House is saying that the State Department would help American citizens uh, get back to the United States, Biana. All right, Alex Marquardt for us. Thank you. We turn now to retired Major General Spider Marks and Barack Ravid, an Israeli journalist and Middle East expert for Axios. Welcome, both of you. So, Barack, what do you know about how this deal will ultimately play out? Will we learn the names of the Israelis to be released ahead of time? Uh, well, I don't know if we're going to learn them, but definitely the Israeli government is uh, going to know them ahead of time, at least ahead of every day of pause. It's going to work like that. In the evening before they are released, the Israeli government will receive a list of something like 12 uh, hostages that are going to be released 
on the next day. And this will happen again and again and again until the, all the 50 uh, uh, hostages will be released. I'm not sure the Israeli public or the world at large will know uh, their identities ahead of the release. Do you know if their families will be told by the government? Um, I, I don't know. Uh, I, I suspect that uh, once the Israeli government knows who exactly is going to be released, they will notify uh, their families because there's a whole process that will have to happen. Again, as Alex said, they will be taken to uh, uh, several hospitals that were designated, and I guess their families will be informed that they should meet them there. So I think that's sort of what we're going to see. They're going to notify the families, and then maybe those things will leak out. Yeah, especially given that, that so many of them will be children, um, getting the, the families involved as soon as possible is paramount. Uh, also, Barack, what about the Palestinians to be released from Israeli prisons? Is this a list provided by Hamas, with, with Israel having a final say? I mean, we know that they cannot include anyone who has been charged with murdering an Israeli. We also know they include women and children. Any other details or insights that you're hearing from your sources? No, I think that's that's more or less it. Uh, and but we we are going to know who are those prisoners that will be released because according to Israeli law, the Israeli government needs to publicize those names to the public so that people will be able to appeal to court if they feel that they were harmed by this prisoner or that prisoner being released. So I think that once the cabinet Israeli cabinet meeting ends and the Israeli cabinet approves the release. Uh, the, those lists will be uh, made public, and 24 hours later, the uh, deal can go ahead and be implemented. Yeah, in that 24-hour period, they can appeal to the Supreme Court per Israeli law. Yes. Uh, Spider, we saw earlier today that multiple large explosions over northern Gaza took place. Is this part of Israel's strategy to sort of step up its military campaign before any potential pause in fighting as part of the hostage negotiations? Uh, I wouldn't characterize it as stepping up the campaign. I would say this is primarily an acceleration. So maybe that's the, the, that's a distinction without a difference. They're trying to accelerate to get as many objectives accomplished before they move into this inevitable pause for a number of days. So this is not unexpected. Well, Barack, do these latest military actions and scenes like, like this that we're just going to show you now, where the strikes send more injured civilians in northern Gaza to hospitals that, that are paralyzed, can complicate any potential negotiations to free these hostages and potentially, hopefully, future hostages? Yeah, honestly, I think we are in a very sensitive uh, 24 hours now because the pause will only start in 24 hours, may even maybe more, 30 hours. This is uh, quite a long period of time where a lot of bad things can happen on the ground and scuttle the whole deal. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, I can't see a scenario where Israeli bo Israel bombs something in Gaza and Hamas says, oh, you know what? Uh, you did that. The deal is off. I mean, I can't see such a scenario. So I think Israel will be or will try to be pretty careful with the targets it, it's going to strike in the next 30 hours or 24 hours after this deal is implemented. Spider, part of this hostage deal appears to include a pause in fighting, as we've been reporting. Do you even think that is feasible? I mean, take, for example, what would happen if two Israeli forces on the ground in Gaza, do they remain there and they just freeze their activities? I mean, how, how would this work? 
Yeah, it's very difficult. This is going to be, if it happens, this is going to be a ceasefire that's not going to have a third party, uh, a peacekeeping type of um, third party that's too, you know, involved to ensure that both sides follow the rules, if it were. The challenge that you have in this particular case, number one, there's zero trust between the IDF and Hamas. Um, you don't anticipate that that's going to happen. And you also have 18 and 19 year old soldiers on the ground that have to make split second decisions and they have the right of self-defense. So they're going to continue to conduct patrols. They're going to continue to protect themselves. But suddenly you're in a circumstance, you don't know what's going on, the hours of darkness, something comes rushing by you and all of a sudden you have an engagement. That has the real potential of escalating and has been indicated, could scuttle the deal. I mean, and then during the pause, the you know, during the pause, the hostage and prisoner transfer could be stopped as well if this if something were to occur, to occur that accelerated it and increased the risk and exposure of both the IDF and harm to Hamas. Uh, Barack, you know, something stood out that you said a couple of days ago as we were leading up to this um, this exact scenario right now, and hopefully we're closer than we have been in the past. But that was that you, you can't really rely on the head of uh, Hamas's military operations, Yahya Sinwar, and that he could change his mind at any any moment in time. He's not a very stable person, as we've come to find out. Uh, is there concern that perhaps in this next four to five day period of pausing, that could indeed happen? I, I think there's certainly such a concern. And, you know, you need to go back to 2014, when Israel uh, had uh, one of the previous wars in Gaza, when Israel agreed to a ceasefire, it did not include the release of prisoners, but there was a humanitarian ceasefire, as, it call, as they called it back then. And during that ceasefire, Hamas just decided to violate it and attack, US, uh, and attack Israeli forces in Rafah and kidnapped a soldier. So I think that this lesson from 2014 is not only in the head of IDF commanders, it's also in the head of Benjamin Netanyahu, who was then the prime minister also. So I think that every day now is very sensitive. And the fact that we have here a deal and we might have a pause in the fighting doesn't mean that everything is going to be uh, calm and there's not, there's not going to be any problems. Spider, quickly, what do you make of this deal to pause for six hours at least any overhead drone surveillance uh, on the part of the Israelis over Gaza? I find it hard to believe that Israel, which has an incredible intelligence collection capability, would agree to that. But but I got it. But you can also conduct operations flying over Israeli airspace and slew your cameras, angle your cameras, and hopefully be able to get some imagery intelligence, which is what you're getting from a drone with a direct overhead look. But you may be able to continue to gather that intelligence and cover that gap. Um, but the key thing about a pause is the intelligence that the IDF has been able to gain over the course of operations is now going to atrophy. It will be it will dilute over the course of time. What was targetable intelligence will no longer be targetable. So in many cases, they're going to have to regenerate operations in order to get back to the same level of confidence or at least intelligence collection and confidence that they knew exactly where they were going next. Yeah, well, as Prime Minister Netanyahu said, this is just a pause and the war will continue. Um, General Spider Marks, Barack Ravid, thank you so much. Families of kidnapped hostages are anxiously waiting for word on how this will play out. We'll hear from some of them ahead. Plus, two days before Thanksgiving, the travel rush disrupted by storms hitting major East Coast travel hubs. This podcast is supported by Sleep Number. 
Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs, so you can choose what's right for each of you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores? Sleep Number does that. Only Sleep Number Smart Beds let you each choose your ideal comfort and support. Your Sleep Number setting. Sleep Number Smart Beds learn how you sleep and provide personalized insights to help you sleep better. All Sleep Number Smart Beds feature cooling, pressure-relieving comfort layers for soothing sleep throughout the night. Temperature-balancing bedding is designed to move heat and moisture away when you're hot. When you're cool, they hold their energy to help warm you. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. We are back with the world lead in what sources call an imminent deal to get some of the hostages held by Hamas released. Anxious families of hostages are, of course, also closely watching negotiations. One include Abby Own. Last month, the IDF found the bodies of two of her family members kidnapped by Hamas, Carmela and Noya Dunn. Three others in her family, Erez, Ofer, and Sa'ar Calderon, are still missing. And Abby joins us now. Um, Abby, I do wonder how you feel given the parameters of this deal and that they largely will encompass women and children. Erez is 12, Sa'ar is 16, meaning they, they fall into the parameters. Um, does that give right. you hope that maybe soon you will see one or, or God willing, both of them? It does. I mean, I think we have had hope along the way and deals haven't come through, but this feels like this is, it's come the closest. It's be getting to be the most concrete. And so you kind of want to not pay attention to it and just hope that something good happens. But, but yeah, we are paying attention and, and we are hoping for the best. During today's Israeli war cabinet meeting, we know that two far-right parties rejected this potential deal, calling instead for one that releases everyone. Would you have preferred that or, or even just the possibility of this limited deal? I think based on what I understand, and it's far above my pay grade, that if we got to this limited deal, then this is what was feasible or possible at this point. I think there are are a lot of parties negotiating. I'm sure that Qatar and the United States and Israel and Hamas and whoever else is at the table. I mean, at this point, there's also talk of Thai nationals being let go. So you know that there's even additional parties at the table. So this wasn't this wasn't a simple thing to get to. And I feel like the one thing we should all be able to agree on is that that children are not a part of war. And if we're able to get them home as soon as possible, then I think that's a good thing for all of us. Uh, what is your reaction to the news that as part of this deal, uh, the Red Cross, I, I believe, will be able to at least visit th the first 50 of these hostages that have been agreed to in this deal? Uh, d does that give you some comfort in, in knowing that maybe even if your family isn't part of this deal, that if this goes well, perhaps the next deal will include the Red Cross checking on them as well? Look, I would love for the Red Cross to be involved at any level. I feel like it's shocking that they haven't been to this yeah. point, and I, I don't know why. I don't know why the world isn't screaming for, you know, world health or global organizations to be allowed to see the hostages. So at this point, any movement is positive. 
I was struck um, by an interview I, I did earlier today with Hirsch Goldberg's family, and obviously he does not fall yes, into this into this list of of hostages released today. And his mother told me that she is waiting for news because she will be so thrilled and happy for these families who do get their loved ones back. And, and I just think that speaks volumes about families like yours and, and his that have room in their heart to, to feel happiness for, for other families that don't include their own. Uh, talk about the community, that this, this horrible club that, that no one wants to be in, but that you have been able to comfort each yeah. other with. I know Rachel and John well, and they are heavy on my heart tonight knowing that Hirsch wouldn't be in this proposed group and I think how hard it must be for her to watch. And I also know that what she said is truly authentic to who she is. I think for all of us, every single person who gets released is a win for, for the entire group. Um, but at the same time, if these 50 come out and they include my family, I will rejoice. And if they don't, I will still rejoice because it's 50 people out of captivity, out of an awful, awful situation. And to, to speak also, it's Sahar and Arabs that will be part of this group. It's not their father. We will not yeah. stop fighting until every single one of them is home. Um, and, and that includes Ofer and it includes Hirsch and it includes so many of them that are, it's, it's close to 200 names that wouldn't be on this list. And so there's hope, but there's still fight. Well, we want you to know that we will continue to cover your fight until everyone is home. Abion, thank you. Thank you so much. And we much. are really hoping that this, this time we will actually see these hostages come back. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. Well, what about hostages who are not women and children, as we just heard? I'll be speaking with the father of one American man who's being held and will likely not be on the list to be released. How's he feeling? That's up next. We are back with our world lead and the Israeli cabinet now meeting to consider what could be the final stages of a potential hostage deal between Israel and Hamas. While the exact details are fluid, we know not all hostages will be released by Hamas. In fact, it still leaves about 80 percent of the hostages in Gaza. Well, joining us now is Jonathan Dekelhen. His son, Segi, is one of the Americans believed to be held hostage. Jonathan, um, thank you for joining us. As you know, this proposed deal we've been hearing about calls for the release of 50 women and children. That would exclude Segi. What was your reaction when you heard of this deal? Well, first is um, thank you for having me on. And I don't think the the, the contours of the deal um, are, are very surprising. I hope that it is approved by our cabinet. I hope that Hamas is able to deliver on its terms. Um, I personally uh, would be absolutely thrilled for the children and their moms to come home. Uh, I am Sagir from Kibbutz Nir Oz. We have 75 hostages just from our Kibbutz alone. Among them, the children uh, that, that you were speaking about uh, just a few minutes ago, uh, Erez and Sahar, they are uh, their, their family are, are, are personal friends of mine, and their grandmother and a cousin of theirs was murdered on October 7th. So I would be overjoyed. I don't know what it means um, for the rest of the hostages, the vast majority of them, but getting these children home with their mothers is it would be a wonderful thing. It is so inspiring and heartwarming and selfless to hear that from every single parent that we've been talking to today. It just speaks volumes 
uh, about your characters and uh, the community that you have built in this tragedy. We do know, Jonathan, that two far-right parties rejected today's potential deal that we're talking about during the Israeli war cabinet meeting, calling instead for one that would release everyone. Of course, that's what everyone wants, but, the, but that deal clearly was not attainable. Do you believe that it's better to have waited for one that would include everyone, perhaps even Segi, or, or take this one if this is the one that they could get right away? Well, in a perfect world, uh, all of the hostages, the 240, including Sagi, of course, would have been released yesterday. In a perfect world, they never would have been taken by a terrorist organization uh, to begin with. But we live in the real world, and we're dealing with a brutal terrorist organization. And if anyone had any doubts before October 7th about the nature of Hamas, then, then we know now. Uh, I prefer not to get into the nitty-gritty of the negotiations, and I think that's something that our government is going to have to work through, uh, but clearly, clearly, and not just the families of these 240 hostages, but the vast, vast majority of Israelis uh, want the, the fate of these hostages to be foremost in the minds of, of all of our government officials uh, from the far right, uh, near right, center, so to speak. And I, I certainly hope that our prime minister, at the very least, will uh, honor that demand by, by all Israelis that all of the hostages come home. Well, speaking of Prime Minister Netanyahu, he said that the outline of an agreement would include visits by the Red Cross to hostages not yet released. Now, it's our interpretation that it, that means that these are the, the first tranche, the, these 50 hostages. Um, this is something Israel has been pushing for for weeks to get the Red Cross to, to come in and check on these hostages. Does that at least give you some solace that hopefully, whether now or later, this, this allows for the opportunity for Sagi to, to have a visit from the Red Cross as well? Well, you know, that's been, if we're able to demand anything, the 240 hostage families, it would be a demand and to the degree that we can from the Red Cross, that they do absolutely everything in their power to visit with all of the hostages, not just this first tranche, but, but all of them to at least in some measure, give us signs of life, signs of health, because we've had, the majority of us have had absolutely no indication of um, what condition they're in. I think this is a, a, a clear sign of who we're dealing with, uh, a terrorist organization that will not even allow the Red Cross to perform its most basic functions. Um, and, and so what we've been asking for for now uh, over seven weeks is for that to happen um, and, and, and immediately and for all of the hostages. Yeah, you're right. It does give you a, a clear sign of the evil on, on the other side that, you, that you're dealing with, with Hamas. Um, Jonathan Dekelhan, thank you. We appreciate your time and your fight for your son's release. Well, we're also monitoring a significant attack on U.S. forces, a close-range ballistic missile used according to the U.S. military. What we're hearing from the Pentagon today, that's up next. The assignment with me, Audie Cornish. So there have been arrests, suspensions, disciplinary hearings. They're shutting down graduation events. At this moment, the part of the protests that are admirable are young people calling attention to atrocities. Michael Roth is the president of Wesleyan University. I would like to make a space for them to do that, as long as that space doesn't prevent other people from pursuing their education. 
Listen to The Assignment with me, Audie Cornish, on your favorite podcast app. We're back with our world lead. The Pentagon says Iranian-backed militants used close-range ballistic missiles to attack U.S. forces on an air base in Iraq last night, and a U.S. military aircraft retaliated. CNN's Natasha Bertrand is with me now for more on this. So what do we know uh, about these developments, Natasha? Yeah, Bianca, this was an attack by Iran-backed proxy militias on U.S. and coalition forces at Al-Assad Air Base in Iraq. And this was a really significant escalation uh, by these Iranian proxy groups, which to date have launched roughly 64 attacks on U.S. and coalition forces in Iraq and Syria because they used a ballistic missile. Now, ballistic missiles, they can travel a far greater uh, length than the rockets and drones that these Iraq uh, Iran-backed groups have been using in the past. They can carry much larger warheads, and it is just generally a pretty significant escalation that they use this ballistic missile uh, to launch this attack. And U.S. Uh, the U.S. military actually responded to this attack, and they launched their own strike on a vehicle inside Iraq that they say was being used to carry some of those militants responsible uh, for carrying out this strike on uh, this airbase. Now, importantly, the U.S. military says that there were no significant injuries to U.S. forces from this attack, and no significant damage. But look, I mean, this is really, uh, you know, over 60 times now uh, this has happened where these Iran-backed militias have attacked U.S. forces, and it has resulted in scores of injuries among U.S. service members, including more than uh, two dozen uh, service members who have suffered traumatic brain injuries. So the question now is whether these retaliatory strikes by the U.S. are actually working, Biana. Yeah, I'm just curious, has the U.S. communicated with Iran at all to try to get these groups to, to back down? Yeah, so the Pentagon did reveal uh, to us recently that they have communicated directly with the Iranians, telling them that they expect the Iranians to rein in these proxy groups because the U.S. is prepared to continue responding in force uh, if these attacks do not stop. However, these these strikes that these uh, Iran-backed proxy groups have been launching, they have not stopped. They only continue. Uh, and more than f- uh, 50 so far U.S. service members have suffered uh, injuries ranging from traumatic brain injury uh, uh, to more serious injuries. So it's it's clearly a big concern uh, for the Pentagon, Brianna. Yeah, and continuing, um, Natasha Bertrand, thank you. Up next, the severe storms pushing across the eastern U.S. just as the holiday rush picks up. We're back in a moment. In Colorado right now, an intense search for this man, 45-year-old Hanby Clark. Police believed he shot and killed three people and injured a fourth last night in a dispute over property lines. This was in Custer County, Colorado, about 70 miles south of Colorado Springs. Investigators say Clark took off in a white pickup truck. The person injured is a woman, and she is expected to survive. And in another mass shooting in Ohio. Today, police say they don't know why a gunman opened fire in a Walmart. It happened just after 8.30 last night when the store was busy ahead of the Thanksgiving holiday. The gunman shot three women and a man at various parts of the store and then killed himself. Each victim is alive, one still in critical condition. This shooting happened in Beaver Creek, Ohio, just east of Dayton. Well, a powerful storm could deal a significant blow to Thanksgiving travelers this week with rain, snow, and even severe thunderstorms across the United States. Let's bring in CNN's Pete Montine and meteorologist Chad Myers in the Weather Center. Chad, you first. So what can those of us going away this weekend expect? Well, at least for today and tomorrow morning, a wet commute 
for sure. And if you're heading on up to New England, a white commute. And if you're heading to New England, you want that because that is natural snow that you will be skiing in this weekend. It is already snowing in the Catskills and the Adirondacks, but down to the south, ponding on the roadways from some very heavy rainfall. Now, we had five tornadoes on the ground yesterday that we know of right now. We don't have any for today and not expecting any, but the forecast is for the low to head up the east coast and maybe slow down, especially the road travel without a doubt. Flight Radar 24 has so many planes on this map. Thousands and thousands of planes from the East Coast to the West Coast going all different directions. And our Pete Montine is going to tell us how this is doing. Yeah, you know, Chad, the uh, cancellations and delays keep going up as the day goes on. And the FAA just imposed a ground delay for all the flights leaving Charlotte, a huge hub for American Airlines. The average delay there, more than an hour and a half, which is why we are seeing the delays nationwide go up. 3,155 delays nationwide. Uh, the latest numbers from FlightAware, 45 cancellations. Uh, it has been a really tough day for airlines, though, especially for the ground crews. They've been out here on the e ramps on airports on the East Coast through this cold rain and this wind. This is really coming at an improbable time uh, for the airlines, especially given the fact that so many people are traveling. The FAA anticipating 48,000 flights in total when the day is done, 2.6 million people screened at airports nationwide. And TSA Administrator David Pankowski just told me that it is really imperative for you to get to the airport early and make sure you're on your game going through the TSA checkpoint as to not build on those delays. Listen. Bank in more time. So arrive at the airport a little bit earlier. Um, think through the process steps you're going to go through through screening because you don't want to be that passenger that holds everybody else up. I was just at United Airlines Operations Center at its hub in Washington, Dulles. They have 50 people on staff in their operations center trying to work through things like the weather, planes, connections, and bags. One interesting stat here from American Airlines, they scheduled 23,000 flights from Thursday to Sunday. They only canceled two of those flights. The big question now beyond whether or not airlines can stick the landing as the storm system moves up the East Coast and airlines resume and try and uh, get back to normal for tomorrow, a huge day for air travel ahead. Well, that is promising that only two have been canceled. And I concur, a PSA to everyone at home, do not be that passenger <laughs> going through security that delays everyone behind you. We've all been there. Uh, Chad and Pete, thank you both. Happy Thanksgiving. Well, up next, one of the largest crackdowns on the crypto market that played out just moments ago. Also, this cross-platform play action. The NBA on TNT and Max. 30 teams compete, eight advance, but there will only be one champion. Catch coverage of the NBA in-season tournament tonight at 7 Eastern, again on TNT and Max. And we'll be back in a moment. The world's largest cryptocurrency exchange, Binance, now has the distinction of having one of the largest fines levied by the U.S. government, a whopping $4.3 billion. Now it comes as the company and its billionaire CEO pleaded guilty to money laundering. Attorney General Garland and Treasury Secretary Yellen made the announcement this afternoon. At the heart of the complaint, Binance failed to prevent money laundering by terrorists on its exchange and allowed individuals in countries like Russia and Iran under U.S. sanctions to trade money with Americans on the digital exchange. Well, if you ever miss an episode of The Lead, you can listen to the show wherever you get your podcasts. Our coverage continues now in The Situation Room.
Quality sleep is essential, and that's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. So you can choose what's right for you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores. Sleep Number does that. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Now streaming exclusively on Max, a new CNN flash talk about the album that has Nashville talking, Call Me Country, Beyonce and Nashville's Renaissance. Watch it at max.com slash callmecountry. Max subscription required.